First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, do you turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know, as you're turning there, uh, again, we're in this series called Christmas Lights. And that has just kind of gotten me thinking about uh, just different experiences that I've had uh, with uh, Christmas lights throughout, throughout my life. Uh, one of my favorite uh, memories that involves Christmas lights and really just Christmas in general uh, is when uh, Megan and I were first married. We lived up in, in North Carolina when we were in uh, seminary there together. And, uh, and each year at, at Christmas time, uh, I was um, serving at the time as a, as a youth pastor at a church there in Raleigh, and every year at Christmas time, we would put on uh, a live nativity event that was held at this farm uh, out in the country that one of our youth workers owned. And uh, it was always just a really fun time. The, the students would come out and, and put this event on, and we'd invite the community to come. Uh, they would sing carols. They would act out uh, the Christmas story. Uh, it was always, at least it seemed like it was always really, really cold. At least to this uh, Florida boy, it seemed really, really cold. And uh, so we would drink uh, hot apple cider. We would uh, have a big uh, bonfire out there on the property. And I remember I'd always have to get there early in the day to, to help get everything uh, ready, get it all set up for the nativity that, that night. And uh, one of the jobs it seemed like I had every year uh, was uh, to put these uh, luminary bags Together, I think most of you have probably seen those uh, bags before. I think we have a, a picture of them here, but uh, just uh, usually white bags with a little sand inside and a candle uh, inside those bags. And I'd have to get those bags prepared and, and put them along either side of this pathway uh, that led up to the barn where the nativity was. And on this farm, they had sheep there. And, and some years, there was a newborn lamb that they would have lying there right by uh, the manger. And, uh, and so as, as I kind of reflected back on, on those bags and, and setting those bags along that pathway, uh, not, not only did I think about how beautiful they were, but I also realized that, that they were functional as well. That, that those bags were, were placed there along that pathway, leading up to the barn, leading up to where the nativity was, to show people who came to the nativity where they needed to go and where they needed to walk if they wanted to make their way up to the manger. You know, in in a similar way, at least for believers, that's what Christmas lights should do for us. Whenever we see them, it should point our hearts and point our attention to the manger, to the real Christmas light. Really, that's what this teaching series is about. Each week in this series, as we've been searching the scriptures together and studying these different passages throughout God's Word, each of these passages is really like one of those luminaries, one of those lights that that is all intended to point our hearts and our attention to the manger and to the Christ child who was laid there that first Christmas night. The past two weeks in this series, we've been in the Old Testament. We've been in the book of the prophet Isaiah, who gave us prophecies about Jesus' coming. In Isaiah chapter 9, we saw that Jesus, when he came, would be a light to those who were sitting in darkness. Last week in Isaiah 42, we saw that Jesus would be a light to all the nations. Today we fast forward to the New Testament. Now Jesus 
has already been born. He has grown up. He is now a man. And he is beginning his earthly ministry. And, and he is teaching. And he is doing miracles. And along the way, he made several provocative statements. But we're going to look at one of those statements that he made that was it's so powerful and so life-changing once we really come to understand what it means. And it's there in John chapter 8, verse 12. And we're going to look at some other passages along the way this morning, but primarily we're looking at one verse. John 8, verse 12. Let's read it together as we begin. Look at these words. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Father, we ask you as we study your word, as we think today about this statement from the lips of our Savior, Father, that you would show us what it means, that you would drive it deeply within our hearts this Christmas, that our focus would be upon your light that you sent for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our time together, I want us to uh, consider three truths about the real Christmas light. Uh, We're going to look again at at some other scriptures as we go, but really each of these three truths comes right from this verse, from John 8, verse 12. Our three truths today are really just the three parts of what Jesus said here in this verse. And so the first truth is simply this, Jesus is the light of the world. And that's the first thing he said in John 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Of the world. Now that's, that's quite a statement uh, that Jesus was making about himself, and we'll come back to uh, those words in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, I want us to understand a little bit more about when Jesus said these particular words. And we won't uh, dive into all of the reasons why, but most people believe that the setting for when Jesus made this statement is the same setting as the chapter before this, chapter 7 in John's Gospel. And so if you turn the page, one to the left there, and look at the beginning of John chapter 7, verse 2. It says, Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was one of three feasts, three celebrations that the Lord gave to his people in the Old Testament. Uh, This uh, feast, as with the other two feasts, was intended for a particular uh, purpose. In this feast, it's also called the Feast of Booths, the people of God would, would make little makeshift huts for themselves that they would live in for a week. Now, I, I think probably all the kids in here are thinking, that sounds like fun, right? That sounds like a, a week-long camp out. I would like to, to be a part of that. And that's really what it was. But it was intended to remind them, especially of the 40 years that they had spent as a people in the wilderness, in the desert. And it was intended to remind them about how the Lord had provided for them and provided for their every need during those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And and during the Feast of Tabernacles, here's the part we really need to understand. During this feast, there were two special ceremonies that would happen during that week. The first ceremony involved water. It was to remind them of how the Lord gave them water from the rock for them to drink. When they were in the desert. Well, in chapter 7 of John, if you look in uh, verses 37 and 38 there, 
Jesus takes this uh, ceremony of water, and on the very last day of the feast, uh, he stands up in front of the crowd, and, and he says to them, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now what is he doing? He's taking this ceremony of water that happened every year during the Feast of the Tabernacles, and he's applying it to himself. He's saying, I am really the water that you need. And if you're thirsty, if you're spiritually thirsty, come to me and I'm going to give you water that will satisfy your soul. Again, I said there were two ceremonies that happened each year during the Feast of Booths. And the second was a a ceremony that involved not water, but, but light. And what they would do is each evening in the courtyard of the temple, they would light four large lanterns that would be on display. And every night when they lit those lanterns up, the people would celebrate. There would be music. Uh, the people would dance and celebrate and particularly remember again their time in the desert and how the Lord led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. How the Lord literally was a light to them and led them through those 40 years of wandering in the desert. And so it is this context, it is this ceremony that is going on with the lanterns lit, and it's on the final day of the feast. The lanterns are about to be extinguished. And Jesus stands up, and in John 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. I want you to imagine what you would have thought if you were in the crowd that day, if you were in the temple courtyard with those four lanterns being lit, and here is this man who stands up in front of you and says, I am the light of the world. Well, I don't know what you or I would have thought, but we know what the Pharisees thought, what the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought, because if you look in the verses right after John 8, 12, you'll see that they begin to challenge Jesus. They begin to tell him he has no right to say such things, that he is giving testimony that can't possibly be true about himself. And when you think about it, you can understand why they were angry, why they were flabbergasted, because here here was a man who, who wasn't just claiming to be enlightened. He wasn't just claiming that he knew what the light was. He was claiming that he was the light, And that he wasn't just the light for himself or for those who were standing right there. That he was, in fact, the light of the whole world. Now, in the mind of the Pharisees, how could any man dare to say such a thing? Of course, that's where they missed it. He wasn't just a man. He was God in the flesh. You know, John 8 is not the first time in the Gospel of John where it says that Jesus is the light. Actually, those words show up in the very first verses of John's gospel. Remember, the opening of John's gospel, of this book, is a beautiful Christmas passage, where in John 1.14, it says, The Word, who is Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld His glory. That happened at Christmas time. But if you look even before that, the very first verses of the gospel of John, this is what... They say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. 
So this passage teaches us that 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, the one who was born was in fact the eternal Son of God who never had a beginning, who was in the beginning with the Father, who is himself God. That this Jesus is life. And that through him, all life, our life, all life in the universe has come into being through Jesus Christ. It's, it's mind-boggling to think about it, and yet it is true that when Mary gave birth to her son and looked into his eyes, she was looking into the eyes of her God who created her. This is the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of, of Christmas. In him was life, and then John wrote, and this life was the light of men. Again, that was certainly true at creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's because of Jesus, the word of God, that there is light in this world at all. But when John speaks of Jesus being light, he's going beyond the physical, and he's speaking about the spiritual reality that really lies behind what Jesus said in John chapter 8 when he said, I am the light of the world. A few verses later in John 1, verse 9, this is what John wrote. He said, That Jesus was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And we'll talk more about this in a moment, but when we read statements like that, or a statement like what Jesus said in John 8 12, I'm the light of the world, this is more than just a neat little tidbit to file away. This is more than just uh, an interesting fact. Now this, this is a truth that we all desperately need to hear and desperately need to understand. Well, we need to understand that Jesus is the light in the world. And that we all live in darkness until we experience that light. If you've read this book before, the Gospel of John, you know that there are seven statements in this gospel, like this one, where Jesus says, I am something. That this is the second of those seven statements in the gospel of John. The first one shows up back in chapter 6 when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Following this, in, in, in later chapters, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, one of the most famous verses in this gospel, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And in John 15, he said, I am the true vine. Now, we, we won't get into what all of those seven statements mean, but I do want you to notice that all seven of them are exclusive statements. When Jesus says, I am the door, he means there's not another one. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he means there is no other way, no other truth, and no other life. And the same thing is true here in John 8. When he says, I am the light of the world, he means that he is the only light in the world. Of course, we know that in one sense there are other lights in the world. There's the sun and moon and, and stars. There's fires and candles. And thanks to Mr. Edison, there are light bulbs and now we have LEDs. There are other lights in the world in one sense, but in another sense, in the sense that Jesus meant here, there is only one light. He is it. 
He is the light of the world because he is the only light that can penetrate the darkness that is in each of our hearts before we come to know him. The Bible teaches us that because of our sin against God, we are all in the dark, spiritually speaking. But because the Christmas light has come, we don't have to stay in the dark any longer. Here's truth number two. If we follow Jesus, we won't be in the dark anymore. Look again at John 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. The second part of what Jesus said is, is in many ways just the corollary of the, of the first thing that that he said, since he is the light of the world, if we are following him, then we won't be in the dark. We're going to be in the light because he is that light. A few months ago, I went uh, snook fishing up at uh, Sebastian Inlet uh, with some friends, and we went at night, and, uh, and it was a, just a dark night. We had um, uh, headlamps on, and we were walking through uh, this row of, of mangrove trees to try to uh, work our way back to this little beachy area where we were going to uh, do uh, some fishing. And, uh, and it, it was kind of treacherous, right? As you're kind of going through these mangrove trees and you're holding your fishing poles and, and your gear and you're trying not to gouge your eye out or anybody else's eye out. And, and in certain places, we were wading through water almost up to our waist as we're working our way through there. And, and again, we all had headlamps on, but my headlamp was, was pretty faint. For some reason, it wasn't really working. It really wasn't lighting about a foot in front of me. Uh, but thankfully, one of my friends who was up ahead of me, who thankfully knew where he was going, uh, had a much brighter headlamp on him. Mean, I could see it from 20 feet behind him. It was lighting up all the way in front of him. And so I, I knew my one objective here is to stay as close to my friend as I possibly can. So I had no idea where we were going. And I knew the further I got away from him, the less and less I was going to be able to see. And so I just wanted to stay as close to him as I could where I could use his headlamp and I could see the light in front of me. You know, it's the same way in this world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And if we're following him, if we're right behind him, then we're not going to be in the dark. We're going to be in the light because he is that light. Now, for those of us in this room who know Christ as our Savior, there's, there's several takeaways, I think, from this. First off, it, it clearly implies what Jesus says here. If you follow me, you won't be in the dark. It clearly implies that before we came to know Jesus, before we started following Jesus, that every single one of us in this room was in the dark. That's a reality. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in church or you didn't grow up in church. Until the moment that you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, spiritually, you were spiritually dead. You did not have spiritual life. You were spiritually in the dark. You were not yet in the light. And the only reason why we are in the light, if we are, is because of the grace of God. That he has shown on us his light. As other scripture says, that he has transferred us from the darkness and into the kingdom of his marvelous light. That's the grace of God. And we should not soon forget it. But then also, what Jesus says here reminds us that even now we walk in a dark, dark world. Very much like 
that trail through the mangrove trees that night at the inlet. We're walking through a world that has many spiritual dangers around us, spiritual traps that have been set for us by a very real enemy. And it's so dark, sometimes it's difficult to even see where those traps are, to even know where we might fall. And if we rely on our own resources, that headlamp isn't nearly bright enough. What we need as believers is to follow closely to the one who is the light of the world. Friend, how closely are you following him right now? I'm not asking how closely maybe at some point in the past you followed him or Or maybe how closely you followed him right after you were saved. How closely are you following him right now, this Christmas, 2019? How much are you in his word? How much are you in prayer? How much are you with the people of God? How how closely are you following the light? If right now in your life things seem to be growing dark, could it be? Because the light is further in front of you than it should be. He says, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. This passage has so much to say for those of us who know Jesus, but of course, it also speaks very powerfully to anyone who is here today who has not yet given their life to Jesus Christ. Again, the implication is that if you're not following him right now, if you're not following the one who is the light, then right now, at this moment, you are spiritually in the dark. It's important to understand that, that just because Jesus came that first Christmas, and just because he is the light, that does not mean that everybody in the world right now is walking in the light. It's possible to see the light, to even know of the light, but to not be following the light. Again, back in John chapter 1, right after John wrote in verse 4, in him, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. Here's what he said next in verse 5. He said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Not everybody who sees the light understands it. Not everybody who sees the light comprehends that it is the light that they need, because spiritually we're in the dark, spiritually We are blind. It's only by God's grace that our eyes can be opened to see that he is the light that we need. And and, and listen, sometimes the reason why we don't see and the reason why we don't come to the light is not because we don't understand what is involved. The Bible says sometimes the reason why we don't come to the light is because we do have an idea of what is involved. And we know that if I go to that light, then things in my life are going to have to change. And I don't really want things in my life to change. I want to keep living the way that I'm living. Even though deep down I know that there are things I'm doing in my life that are not right, that go against God's word, I want to keep doing them. And so I do not want to go to the light. That's in fact what it says in John chapter 3, where this image of the light shows up Again, this is right after John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the Bible, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You would think, why wouldn't everybody accept that gift so that they wouldn't perish, so that they would have everlasting life? Well, a few verses later, we find out why. John 3, 19 and 20, this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world 
And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Wow. You know, one person said when we hear about people living in darkness, there's several images that come to our mind. We might think about, well, people in darkness, that's like people who live, you know, off in the jungle somewhere, who are still in the dark ages, so to speak, right? They're, they're in darkness. Or maybe we think morally. We think of uh, people who are a part of the, the seedy underbelly of the world, right? People who are, who are out in the alleyways of the cities at night doing all kinds of nefarious things that, that we don't think we would ever be a part of. Those people are, are in the dark, but I'm not in the dark. I lead a normal life. And yet what this passage is telling us in John chapter 3 is that really those who are in darkness are those who know that Jesus is the light, but refuse to listen. Those who know that he is the light, they know that they are in darkness, but they don't want to change. They don't want to come to the light, because if they came to the light, they'd have to admit to others and to God and maybe even to themselves how wicked our lives have been up until this point. And according to God, that is as dark a darkness in the heart of a person who thinks like that than any other darkness you would find in the world. It's a heart of rebellion that says, I do not want to live the way my creator made me to live. And I would rather stay in the dark than come to the light. Maybe as you hear these words, it just It sounds how uncomfortable it is, right? I don't want to come to the light lest my deeds should be exposed. Maybe, friend, that's why you're uncomfortable every time you hear someone do what I'm doing right now. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter where you are. But whenever you hear the Bible, whenever you hear the Word of God begin to be taught, it makes you uncomfortable. And could it be that the reason it's making you uncomfortable is because God, through His Holy Spirit, is shining His bright searchlight on your soul, and it is awkward, and it is painful, and it is convicting, and, and, and what we want to do, it's, I apologize for this illustration, but what we want to do is almost like if you've ever turned on the light, and there are cockroaches there in the middle of the room, and you turn on the light, and they, <laughs> right? The light turning on is not a pleasant experience for a cockroach. They want to scurry away. And sometimes that's how it is inside our soul. The light begins to be turned on on our soul and it makes us very uncomfortable and we want to scurry away. But my counsel to you based on the word of God is not to run away from the light, but it's to press into the light. Because yes, it's painful. It is That conviction is not a pleasant experience. And by the way, it's something that I've experienced. It's something that every believer in this room has experienced because you cannot come to Christ unless you experience it. Unless God shines his light on your soul and brings that conviction of sin where you realize that you really need a Savior, and we all do. So don't run from the light. Press in to it. God is bringing about a change in your heart. The Bible's word for it is repentance. He wants to bring you to a place where instead of loving sin and wishing you could do more of it, He wants to bring you to a place where you hate sin and you want to live in a way that pleases the God who made you. That's a step on the pathway to coming to know Christ. 
As one person put it, because Jesus is the light of the world, and because the light has now come into the world at Christmas, darkness is now a choice. You don't have to stay there. By faith in Christ, you can turn from the dark to the light. You can come to him. You can come to the light today. Jesus invites us. Jesus says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Here's truth number three. If we follow Jesus, we'll have the light of life in us. That's the last part of what Jesus said in John 8, 12, isn't it? He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Earlier we were talking about the first chapter in the Bible, Genesis 1, where it tells the story of how God created the world. It says that darkness was over the face of the deep. And the first thing that God did on the first day of creation is God spoke into being and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And that environment of light is the environment that is necessary for life to exist. And so it should not be surprising for us that when we come to John's gospel, God uses the same imagery of light shining in the darkness, and he connects it with spiritual life beginning to take root in our souls. When we come to know Christ, in a sense, what God says to our souls is, let there be light. And there is light for the very first time where there was only darkness before. And that light of life is Jesus. So again, what Jesus is giving us here is an invitation to come out of the darkness and to come into the light. He says something very similar in John chapter 12. Look at these words with me. Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. And then in verse 46, Jesus said, I have come as a light of the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And so, friend, if if this Christmas you want to have the light of life in you, Jesus tells us what we must do. He says, believe in me. Believe in the light. Of course, that belief is more than just a mental assent to believe some facts about Jesus. It means that we totally commit our lives to Jesus, as we talked about a moment ago. It means we turn from sin and we turn to him with the desire to follow him with our lives. We believe in the light. And when we do that, he says, we get a new address. We won't live in the darkness anymore. We live in the light. And then he says, we will become sons and daughters of the light when we believe in the light. This is the gift of God. And so, friend, if, if you're hearing this, what, what is keeping you today from believing in that light? What is holding you back? You know, there's a warning in that verse as well. Jesus says, you're not going to have the light much longer. Believe in the light while he is here. Now, Jesus was speaking about his earthly ministry. He was telling them, I'm about to die and be resurrected and then ascend to the Father. I'm about to be gone. You're not going to have me here much longer. And so while I'm here, while you have the light, believe. 
But there is an application there for all of us as well. That if, if you're here today and you're hearing about the light, that while you have the light, believe. You know, none of us know how many opportunities the Lord will give us before our time comes and we stand before him on the day of judgment. None of us are promised even another day. That's why it says in Hebrews, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Some people say, well, I'll put that off, you know. I'll do that another day. I'll do that maybe when I'm older. Friend, why would you not come to the light today? Why would you want to spend one more day in darkness when you can live in the light the way that your God intended and created you to live? There's one more reference to Jesus as the light in John's gospel, and I just want to mention it before we're through. It's it's found in, in, in the chapter right after our text, in John chapter 9. This is, this is the story where Jesus heals a man who had been blind from the time he was born. And on that occasion, Jesus speaks these words, John 9 verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is the light of the world who came that first Christmas. And he said that as long as he was in the world... He was the light of the world. But, but Jesus is no longer physically present in the world today. And so today, in 2019, about to be 2020, how do people see the light? Right? That's a fair question. Where is the light of the world if Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but he is no longer physically here? Well, Jesus told us the answer to that question. Maybe you remember one other time where Jesus used that language of the light of the world. But on this occasion, he didn't say, I am the light of the world. He said something else. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. It's a part of a sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon ever preached. Here is what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, what we've been saying throughout this whole series is that Jesus is the real Christmas light. That, that every other light we see, every light we see on houses, every light we see on Christmas trees was all designed to, to point our attention to Jesus, the first Christmas light, the real Christmas light, and that is all true. But what we just found out here is that we aren't the only ones who puts up Christmas lights. What we just found out here is that God has also gotten up on his ladder and hung up some Christmas lights. That God also has scattered some Christmas lights on his bushes and on his hedges. That God has scattered, in fact, Christmas lights all over the world. And his Christmas lights are you and me who know Jesus Christ as our Savior and have the light of the world living inside of us. And what that means, practically speaking, is if people today who are in our families, who are in our neighborhoods, who work where we go to work, 
who go to school where we go to school, if those people who right now do not know Christ and are living in darkness are going to see the light, it is not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen because one of God's Christmas lights comes out from underneath the shade and lets their light shine for all to see. We were intended to be those luminaries along the pathway that we talked about earlier that lead people to know where to walk if they want to come to know the Christ child who is in the manger. How is God calling you to be a Christmas light this Christmas? Here's the truth I want us to see and we'll be done. If you have the Christmas light of the world in you, then you are a Christmas light to the world. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you and praise you that Jesus, the light of the world, has come. That he was born to us that first Christmas in Bethlehem. We thank you, Lord, that by faith in your son Jesus, that his light shines in our hearts. And Father, we pray as your church, knowing that you have told us you are the light of the world, Father, would you help us to shine? Father, forgive us for our selfishness. Even at Christmas time, maybe even especially at Christmas time. Father, help us to shine because your word says they will see our good works and glorify you in heaven. And that is our heart's desire. Father, we want our friends and neighbors and family members to see you. We want them to come to know you. So Lord, would you give us the grace to shine even over this next week with everyone we encounter, believing that you are the light in the world and you're the only light that penetrates the darkness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 